Here we go. So we stopped last week, middle of chapter uh, chapter one, Parakalaf and Perkyovis, Mishnah. And just to give a quick re- recap of where we're up to, we learned that Yosi ben Yochanan from Yerushalayim taught us that your home should be open wide. What we explained last week is that it must be first your home in order for it to be open wide. The moment somebody turns into a dish rag, it's not your home anymore. And you can't help anybody if the person running the home doesn't feel like it's their home anymore, right? If I let so many people into my home, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable in my own house, everybody loses. So Zok the Mishnah, your house can be the more comfortable we are in our own house, and as we explained last week, each person according to what they can handle. Obviously, it's worthwhile going a little bit outside of our comfort zone. But some people are more private, need more privacy, need more space. Other people are more open to hosting and having parties. Huh? But the Mishnah, very important the way he writes this. If it's your house and you're comfortable in that house, then it's capable of being open wide. Also, we explained, and we ended off with this idea, that Aniyam, four people, Shri B'nei Beisecha, the primary explanation is to try to give other Yidin uh, jobs so that they're comfortable and they don't uh, take handouts, but to, to make sure that people feel like they're receiving in a dignified way. But we also gave another pshat, the Aniyam B'nei Beisecha, is that poor people, or people who are just, poor people doesn't necessarily mean financially. We're all poor in, in different ways. Everybody's got needs. I'm, myself, each and every person has things We'll call it, the expression I'll use is, that fills us up with gas. We need, we need gas in the tank. And different people, to each of us, there's different things that put gas in our tanks. Okay? V'yaniyam b'nei be'isecha means that there's, each of us are, we, we have needs, and the way to help somebody else their needs is by considering them part of your family. Now let's focus on this. What does it mean to be part of your family? It's a very subjective thing. I want you to know. It's a very subjective thing. Because even the word relationship is very subjective. You could have two people. One feels they're in a relationship and one doesn't. And it's not necessarily because they're on different pages of where their relationship is holding. That can happen too. But it's not necessarily that. It may very well be the way that each one defines a relationship. Okay? One person could define a relationship in a much lighter way than the other person. To somebody else, I'm only using that word relationship if we're deep emotionally into this. Okay? Depends all as well as, you, as how it's going to be defined. So listen to this. It's such a beautiful idea. What does it mean objectively that we're all going to agree with this. You ready? The same way with our own family if my kids um, don't want supper. What do you say? Okay, go pull out a bowl of cereal. Right? Or if we didn't make supper, the kids come home, where's supper? You could throw up some noodles too. 
Okay? There's no, there's no fancy schmancy supper tonight. Just throw up a pot of noodles. You could say that to your kid. Would you say that to a guest? So listen to this. It's a beautiful idea. I heard this from Rabbi Fran. Beautiful idea. Rabbi Fran says we should be willing to. Yes. We should be willing to. Because so often we don't have people join our households because of the pressure that it puts on us. Oh, if I have, I guess. This came up in Dafyami today. If I have guests, I am going to have to make an 18 course meal. So, Mamela, what do I do? I don't have guests. But we have to realize that when people who just want, they, they, they just want to be seen, they just want to spend time, they'll be happy coming over for a bowl of noodles or a bowl of cereal just to spend time. But because we're trying to be too perfect, we don't have them ever. Yeah? Unfortunately, it's the yeshivisha joke. It's called the yeshivisha imitation. You know what a yeshivisha imitation is? You walk over to somebody and say, you're always invited. You're always invited. Yeah? So you don't go over and invite them ever. You say, oh, you're always invited. And then, like, uh, you never really invited them for five months or a year. So you come over and say, oh, I'm insulted. You never came over. Come on. Give me a break. He <laughs> never really invited in the first place. Right? Uh, <laughs> somebody who just says, oh, you're always, come on. Something concrete. No, no, uh, no joke invitations over here. Listen to this beautiful Treat Aniyam like the members of the household, and you'll have them more often. Don't allow guests to pressurize your house. If it's good enough for your kids, it's good enough for them too. And the guests will appreciate being invited more often with not the, without the fancy food than only being invited once a year to an 18-course meal. That's what it means. Treat Aniyam like the members of your household, and you'll end up performing the mitzvah more often. Beautiful. And finally... The last statement of Yaisi ben Yechon will explain the connection. He says, Don't do sicha. Don't have sicha, which is meaningless conversation. Imha'isha with a woman. A man should not involve himself in meaningless conversation with a woman. What woman? Listen to this. This is concerning one's wife. One should not waste her time with meaningless conversation. And we're going to define what the word meaningless means. But one, for one's wife, one shouldn't do that. Certainly to a woman you're not married to. From here the Chachamim say, Anybody who has meaningless chatter with a woman, Causes bad for himself, ends up neglecting Limur HaTorah, neglecting Torah study, because a person's going to get sidetracked from all things spiritual. And this can be the beginning of his end. A person can ultimately um, uh, end up in Gehenna. Okay, this is a fascinating, fascinating third statement of this Mishnah, and let's tackle it step by step. First of all, what's it doing in this Mishnah? Yosef ben Yochanan says, Your home should be open wide. Mishnah, hey. Parakal Your home should be open wide. Have many, many, many guests. Many guests, as, much as, as long as it's your home. Again, as long as it's your home. Invite people in. And when you invite them in, 
Just make it, you don't have to make it a stressful situation on yourself. Then he says, What's the connection? So first of all, the connection is, is that we need to be, it's telling us a beautiful idea. We need to be very careful. Very often when we do chesed for others, that's actually our path to Ghana. If we're not careful that the chesed that we do is completely in line with halacha and with being avde Hashem, very often what we consider to be chesed is actually cruelty. It's actually cruelty. A person can warp their mind. A person can be involved in the most immoral relationships. A person can be in a, be married and be unfaithful to their spouse. And their mind is telling them, oh, I'm, not, I'm actually a good person because this other person who I'm with, they need emotional stability and they need emotional, and they need me emotional, and, and, and I'm doing chesed. And, tell me, people's brains play games with them. And our Yitzhahar is very good at this. Amazing. He's older than us, smarter than us, and he's got more hasmada than us. He knows exactly what to do and what to say to us, to our Yisrael Taiv, who we truly are, to try to make it like what we're doing is actually the right thing. Says Yaisi ben Yechon, when you're doing chesed for other people and you're involving yourselves in community and inviting people into your home, there's a limit. There's a line, not only emotionally, which is view, which is the yehi beis cha. It's got to be your house, but even spiritually. When it gets to a point where it can, not that it starts to impact, it can even possibly start to impact a person spiritually, which is idle chatter, meaningless chatter with women. We're going to discuss exactly what this tar besicha means for for you know. Obviously, we're talking to a man over here. It's usr. It's one of those things where you, you got to do the mitzvah up until the right point, and then you got to stop. Because once you cross a certain line, your mitzvah actually became an Aved. That's the connection. That's why Yaisi ben Yechanan is putting all these things together. Beautiful, beautiful idea. Something to really contemplate. Something to really think about. Now let's discuss what this is. Because you read this Mishnah, and... It's very cryptic. It says, one second, that a man shouldn't just involve themselves in meaningless conversation with a woman. Okay. You want to say, in general, fine. We know that in Yiddishkeit, it's very important. We know that, that uh, opposite genders can attract each other, and then people can do things that are over-the-top stupid and really lead them down a, a terrible hill. People who've had everything, and you'd be all of a sudden, boom. You know, uh, they gave up everything because of... Uh, one terrible and, and uh, pathetic decision. But then it says, with your own wife. So what does this mean with, with uh, your own wife? So the Chazanish writes on this Mishnah, he says that this is only referring to conversation that's meant to be flirtatious in a way where you're trying to create improper behavior. That's the Chazanish's take over here. Okay? And that applies, that applies even to one's wife. 
even to one's wife. A person should not involve themselves in, in what we'll call uh, dumb talk, or talk even meant to, uh, to commit sin. And that's what sicha, sicha seems to imply there's no real toelis here. There's no constructive purpose here other than I'm trying to gain something for myself. I want to share a beautiful idea. This is, take this. This is, a, this is a, a beautiful, beautiful idea, okay? In English language, we use the word love. Okay? I want, we should think about this. What does love mean? What does love mean? I'm not going to give a class on love. Okay, that's not what we're going to do here. But, I, but why is it in the English language I can say, I love my friend, and I can say, I love ice cream? Why is, there, why is that the same word? Because if you think about it, I'll tell you a very important difference. When I love my friend, I'm doing things with my friend. When I love ice cream, I eat it. But if I love ice cream like I love my friend, why am I not treating both of them the same? You understand? The, the, the word love in English is like one word used too many times. What I really mean when I say I love ice cream is I love what ice cream does for me. I don't love the ice cream. I don't love the ice cream. I love what the ice cream does for me. I like it on my tongue. Okay? Everybody would agree to that. I don't love the ice cream. I love what ice cream does for me. Unfortunately, in today's day of age in America, very often people love each other for the same reason. I love you for what you do for me. The same way I love ice cream for what ice cream does for me. I love people for what they do for me. Which really means I love myself. I never loved the ice cream, and I never loved that other person. I've loved myself, and since I loved myself, and these things are doing for me, so I love them too. I don't love them, I love me. In Lushen Kaidesh, however, we have a word called Ahava, love, and a word called Hana'a, benefit. Okay? Ahava, as is often quoted, is from the word Hav. The word Hav means to give, and that's a whole sheer in and of itself, obviously. But notice that Ahava means when I give to something. When I love somebody in the in Lushan Kaidesh in Hebrew, what that means is I don't love them for what they do for me. I love them because I love them and I'm gonna give to them. So you won't say in real biblical Hebrew, you're not gonna say, I love ice cream. Because it's not true. I don't love that jug of ice cream. I will get hana'a from the ice cream, I will get benefit from the ice cream. But I'm not going to give to the ice cream. That ice cream is actually going to be here for me. Love is when, in Lush and Kodesh, again, in the Hebrew language, love is when I, how do I really love something? When 
I'm not care when I'm not loving myself, I'm loving it. So I'm gonna give to it. It's a fascinating idea. Again, love in the English language is too confusing. Because ultimately, ultimately I'm really just loving myself. In Lush and Kaidesh, it's not. It's I'm giving to something else. And that's when that, that's what love is, to give to something else. Otherwise, the language is being honest and just saying, listen, you'll get hanaa from my ice cream, but you don't really love your ice cream, right? I don't love it. If, if, I, if I love my ice cream, I, I take it to the dance, right? I don't, I don't love my ice cream. It's not, it's not what's happening. I'm eating it, okay? So, says the Chazanish, a very beautiful idea, and he's really basing himself off of some of these Rishayim explaining this Mishnah, and that is, Altar Besicha Ima Isha means make sure that when you have a conversation with any woman and your wife and your wife you're not using that other person because you love yourself. Make sure the conversations are productive conversations. You want every somebody's uh, it, it doesn't mean we're talking, uh, you're, you're having chavru, you're in a chavrusa together and you're, you're learning words of Torah. That's not what we're dealing with over here. What we're dealing with, uh, what we're dealing with over here is that if, some, if somebody needs uh, to calm their nerves or somebody's, you know, any sort of conversation, even to just uh, build a relationship together, is also considered a, a conductive, uh, a productive conversation. Absolutely. But it needs to be a type of conversation, say the Rishonim, where I'm not using that person for me. That's sicha. I'm there to, because I want to do something, I, I'm trying to get something personal, you know, uh, pull something out of this. Rather, we're there for that other person. And this is what it says, here the sages say, whoa, that means you really need to have ultimate respect for other people. Anybody who treats anybody, and uh, this comes out particularly with genders, that people try to, would, would try to take advantage of the opposite gender for their own personal gain. Anybody who does that, causes bad for themselves. And now this Mishnah reads beautifully because we're not only dealing with the, the, we're not only dealing with the, the, the frivolity of what this Mishnah is talking about, but it's also letting us know it is such a selfish thing to do. The whole mindset of how I think is off. So, Gairim Rola Atzmai, that is a terrible thing for me. They, they we're causing bad for them. He's causing bad for himself. And he will end up being being drawn away from matters because the Chachamim are letting us know that this is the way Hashem made creation. Once a person gets involved in a particular mindset with a particular approach, that, that goes on the forefront. And everything else goes on the back burner. And that's going to be my focus. People get very caught up. And especially when it comes to, uh, when it, when it comes to lusts and desires. And even if it's the desire for my own personal kabod. Right? Anything. We get very involved. We put these things on the forefront. And that's, that causes tremendous bittal terror. Because anything that's that's of like becomes, becomes secondary. Visofo yoresh gehenim. And eventually... Uh, that person ends up inheriting Gehenna because they didn't end up using their life in a productive manner. In a, in a productive manner, they were just focused on this wrong thing, and they went they went after it. They went after it. They went after it. Nebuch never learned 
to that that the tachlis, the purpose of a yid, is to develop ourselves into being greater people. And interestingly, you know, why is a gadol called a gadol? Why is a why is a, when somebody is a real chashuv, real real elevated person? We say that's a gadol. The word gadol means big. Why is that so? Because when a person's big, they learn to live beyond themselves. They learn to live beyond themselves. They're bigger than themselves. They don't only care about themselves. They care about the next person and the next person and the next person, right? Which is really life. You know, this baby comes into the world with clenched fists. It baby cries. And it only cares about itself. It's all the baby cares about. Baby cares about itself. And then it gets a little older. The baby's a few months old. And we train the baby. No, no, no. Your parents also need to sleep. Right? You're going you're gonna to stay in your crib, and your parents are also going to sleep through the night. And then they become four, five, six years old, and we train them to start sharing with their friends. And they get a little older, and they, we train them to start helping you sixth, seventh, eighth graders. You help their friends with homework. And they become teenagers, and you offer your friends rides, or whatever it is. But, uh, but and then we, as we go through life, we keep developing and li- gr- being greater than ourselves. A gadol is somebody who lives... M- with all of Klal Yisrael, even greater than everybody else. I'll just share a, a story from my mother, Zechariah Lebracha. Um, I for sure have shared this before, but very appropriate for this Mishnah. Um, this is when we were still living in Eretz Yisrael. We came back to look, we looked at two communities, Dallas and St. Louis, who we were looking to move to. And we came back, and my mother, Zechariah Lebracha, bought we had Yaakov and Leah then. So we um, we came in from Eric. So my mother bought Yaakov like a little toy. These little red cars, you know, like these little Flintstone cars. Whatever. You, know, you walk with your feet. Okay. Yeah, it moves with your feet. Um, so she bought him this car and he's using it. He must have been three, maybe three years old. And some of the cousins came over to see their little cousin from Eric Israel. And some of them are the same age. So they wanted to use the car too. And my son's not letting them use the car. So I'm like, Yaakov, you got to share. He's three years old. I'm like, Yaakov, you got to share. Yeah, he, got a new, he just got a new car. He's not sharing. He's three years old. So I looked at my mother and I said, Ma, what am I going to do with this kid? He's selfish. How do, how, do I, how do I train him how to share with his friends? So my mother said, Menachem, it says in the Torah, the Ohavta, to love your friend like yourself. At his age, he's learning to love himself first. If you let him love himself, and he knows that he has his own rights, then he can love others. He's three years old, leave him alone. Three years old, it's okay. He's learning the Kamaicha right now. Let him learn Kamaicha. And then when he gets older, as we develop... We become, you know, we, we learn there's also Re'acha. There's also other people out there to share with. Very important idea, right? And this actually, interestingly, goes back to the beginning of, of the Mishnah where, where um, who was it? The beginning of, when Yaisi ben Yechanan told us that it has to be your house that's open wide. You got to make sure you're taken care of first. You can't just take care of everybody else and turn yourself into a dish rag. You can't be a shmata. Otherwise, everybody's going to lose. Yehei beis It's got to be your own, right? got to develop you got to make sure you're comfortable in your own skin and it's very important we do, we allow ourselves
to have to have that space. Okay? You can only love people if you know that you have rights, you know they have rights too, and you can live there, uh, you live there for them. Okay, here we go. Next Mishnah. Mishnah above. I don't know if we'll have time to uh, to go through the entire mission. We'll probably get stuck on the last idea, but let's at least get started. We have a few minutes left. Here we go. Mishnah above. Yeshua ben Prachia. So Yeshua ben Brachi continuing on in the time of the Zugos, right? We originally had one in the Mesora, the tradition. We had one Moshe to Yeshua, Yeshua's kings came with him, and then we had uh, we had Shimonat Sadik, and then we entered the era of the pairs. The two people would leave Kal Yisrael, and now we're entering Yosi ben Prachia, Yeshua ben Prachia, and Nitai Ha'ar Beili. Okay, one was the head of the Sanhedrin, and one was more of the political leader of Klai Yisrael. Kibbu Mehem, they received the Mesora from the two Yosis. Yosi ben Yosi ben, ben Yechim. Okay. Here we go. What did they pass down? Which lessons, which messages? Yeshua ben Prachia, Aymer, Yeshua ben Prachia says, I say l'charav, you gotta make sure you have a Rebbe. Everybody needs to make sure that they have some sort of mentor. Why? Because a mentor is somebody who functions in a capacity to make sure that we are being honest with our own minds. Okay? Um, one of my rabbeim, one of my rabbeim um, once said to one of my friends, my friend told me this, that's how I know it, um, uh, my Rebbe was with one of uh, Rebbe was one of my friends, and my friend said, uh, "I'm in this." They were together. He said, "I'm in this Rebbe." She's like, "This is my Rebbe," you know. Uh, this is my Rebbe. So my Rebbe said to my friend, "He put his arm around him, and he says, don't call me your Rebbe until you're ready to listen to me.' <laughs> Just because you're in my class doesn't mean I'm your Rebbe. All right? <laughs> you can sit in my class. It doesn't mean I'm your. Don't call me until you're ready to listen. To me. The word Rebbe itself, the word Rub. Right? Resh Beis. What does the word Rav mean? What does the word Rebbe mean? It comes from the word Rove, to expand more. The Achrayis, the responsibility of a Rav, the responsibility of a Rebbe, is to expand themselves and what they've been taught into others. It's, it's expansion. That's really what, what the, the responsibility is. So Yeshua ben Prakhi says it's very important that we all have somebody who we look at that we're willing to allow them to expand into us. Even if they're not necessarily more knowledgeable than us, greater than us, make the same decisions that, uh, that we have, it's very important to, uh, to, in our minds, appoint somebody else as our teacher because we're always going to come out ahead than doing something alone. My father, Zechariah Lebracha, learned by Rav Aaron Cutler. I wasn't alive when he was by Rav Aaron Cutler. Rav Aaron Cutler was a Shiva. He was buying from 1950 to 1961. All I know when I was born, I remember Rabbi Victor Miller was my father's Rebbe. Rabbi Avram Pam was my father's Rebbe. Then Rabbi Pam passed away. And um, Rabbi Matasio Solomon and Rabbi Sroll Reisman, uh, you know, became my father's Rebbe. And interestingly, when Rabbi Pam was Nifter, when Rabbi Avram Pam was Nifter, um, they only met a few times. And my father drove from Baltimore to New York to be Menachem Avel. And they asked my father what he's doing there. He said, why well, he is? So my father said, your father 
He said, after, after uh, you know, uh, my Rashiva died, your father became my Rebbe. He said, what do you mean your father became my Rebbe? My father wasn't much younger than Rapam, right? So he said, what do you mean? My father said, I, I listened to all of his tapes, and I would listen to his shiurim, and I, you know, and I made that, I turned that into my own shiurim that became the Torah that I shared, and I considered your father to be my Rebbe. So they asked my father to go to the other room where the women were sitting to tell Rebbets and Pamdas. Because apparently, when they started recording Rav Pam Shiurim uh, to put them out um, publicly, Rebbets and Pam wasn't happy about it. I think because she wanted to make sure, she was nervous that, that she knew it was more important for the students to be there in person, and if they start recording it, and people aren't going to come in person, and they're going to lose out on the personal touch from her husband. And there was a whole apparent uh, conversation about whether it was, you know, whether the shiurim should be recorded. So they asked my father to go tell her that Rav Pam became his Rebbe through tapes um, to, to give her chizuk, you know, to let her know that there were fruits from this decision, okay? But you can, we can make ourselves Rabbeim in, in many areas, right? But it's always important in, in many ways. Doesn't need to be somebody old enough, doesn't it? It's very important, though, to have somebody who were, who were willing to allow that person to function as somebody who's going to allow our conscience to function and to keep our intellectual honesty, even if we're not always going to follow, what, not always do the same thing. That person's my Rebbe. That per, that's, the, that's the style that I have. That's, you know, that's the, the mahalach in life that, that I, I want to take. Okay? Now... The Mishnah continues and says, And buy a friend for yourself. This is such a beautiful Mishnah. Buy, it's worthwhile spending money to make sure you have a friend. Because very often it's our friends that help us grow the most. It's the people that we spend most of our time with. And... You know, a friend, as we always say, is not somebody who we necessarily hang out with. You can have somebody who, you know, maybe we go to the mall with, we go out for breakfast with, but we, we can never really have honest conversations with them because we're always walking on eggshells. You say the wrong thing, they're insulted the next day or whatever. That's not a real uh, relationship either. That's not real. That's not a real uh, 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 f- friendship. The, a real friendship is when people, chaverim, are people who grow together, Okay people who advise each other, people who are willing to give each other not only criticism, because that's pointless, but constructive criticism, to just criticize somebody without giving any etza of what to do. So you're just putting somebody down. Where, you know, where, where does that come from? But anything constructive is, um, you know, is, is completely necessary. Now, now, one thing to notice as well, and we'll end with this, is that it says... Make a Rebbe, but spend money on a friend. Why doesn't it say, acquire a Rebbe? Why doesn't it say, spend money on making sure we have a Rebbe? Why not? So, the Mepharshim explain, this is halacha lemaisa, practical halacha. A Rebbe is not allowed to take money. Somebody who teaches Torah is not allowed to get paid for it. It's usher. You know why? Because the Torah belongs to every yid. And therefore, if somebody, somebody walks over to me, somebody walks over to you, 
and says, can you tell me that the Bartira that you shared last week, or do you remember, uh, I say, oh, you want me to tell it to you, you know, $50. For $50, I'll tell you the Bartira. Why is that ridiculous? You know why? If I take the $50, it's stealing. Because that Devar Torah belongs to every Jew. The Torah is not owned by any individual. Nobody has more rights to Torah than anybody else. You're not allowed to charge money for Torah. The only salaries that any Rebbe, Rav, is allowed to take is either for their skills in other areas. For example, a teacher could take payment not for the Torah they teach, but for their classroom management skills. Or you could take payment because you're willing to give up on another job opportunity. Hey, you know, I, I would have gone into a different field or be spending my time earning money elsewhere. If, you know, if you need a teacher in the classroom, so you know, I need to compensate me for the lack of time that I could put into other fields. But you're not allowed to take compensation directly for Torah because the Torah belongs to, uh, to every year. So there's no such thing as paying to acquire a Rebbe. It's actually against halacha. But it's worthwhile spending money to acquire a friend. Now, one last idea. This is a beautiful idea. Rashi on this Mishnah says, to acquire a friend means spend money on purchasing books. Spend money on buying Tyrodica books. He says, because sometimes books are our best friend. Person's home, they don't have other people over. But a person buys a, a book of Torah, a book of Divrei Torah, you spend time with your book. You spend time with it. And the book also is, it's, it's not something that's coming from my own mind. It's something that's coming from a different, a different uh, perspective. And therefore, it's very important that when we study Torah, to make sure that we're always studying it with a different perspective than our own minds. Otherwise, we're not going to come out with Torah that's true. It's going to be a biased Torah. A Torah that's just going in and out of you know, my individualized brain. But if I have a Chabruso or somebody, or even a book, that's coming from a different perspective that's allowing me to think a little more openly, that also, says Rashi, is included in this Mishnah, of acquire a friend means it's worthwhile spending money on books that help us and develop to grow in a Torah way. And there's one more idea: the heavy done is called Adam Lekafshus to judge an entire person favorably. And Bezas Hashem, next week we will pick up with uh, expounding upon the message of this last idea of Mishnah Bab. We'll pick up in the middle of Mishnah Bab Bezram next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful.